Welcome to Ignition Point. This is CBA's podcast where every day we try and working with students to make them problem solvers, critical thinkers, collaborators, and using their lifelong guidelines and life skills. And today we have two special guests with us. We've got the lower school principal, Mary Lyford. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. And we've got our upper school principal, Brad Rasmussen. Thanks for having us today. It's a pleasure to be here. And, you know, it's funny whenever we were talking about starting a podcast and, and even how that we record and and I even kind of messed up there on the intro because I said we make students and uh, that's not what we do. We don't do very much making here on campus, but um, it is something that's really fun to work with kids and to work with students. And, and I wanted to have the two principals on together as we continue to talk about this idea of relationships. And so, Mary, I'm going to throw this first question in your direction. And what are some things that you feel like we do daily um, either with our teachers or as a just a whole school organization to build relationships with our students. Okay, so when I think about relationships, um, if I think about just the teachers, it's so important to have a positive relationship with my teachers. And I have what I call an open door policy. I want my teachers to feel welcome to come in and just visit or just talk to me or if they have questions. Sometimes they have questions about classroom management skills or teaching strategies. And since I've taught for 30, almost 30 years, um, I feel like I have some things to give to them. And so I'm always looking for them to come by and they come, to, they come by during planning time. I have check-in meetings and during those check-in meetings, it can be one-on-one with them and building those relationships and um, helping them to feel like they can come to me. And sometimes it's maybe the team comes in and meets with me. My philosophy is that I don't want to ever forget what it's like to be a teacher in the classroom. I believe my role as a principal is to help them and to give them practical and uh, concrete advice when they come in. We have high expectations for our teachers and our administrators, everybody here. And so I want them to know that uh, my goal is to help them to be successful. As So I build that relationship that way with my teachers. In the community, I think about, you know, we've had a rough two years with COVID, and so we put a halt on a lot of things. But we've gradually brought things back into our community with our families. We have volunteers that come into the classroom, and um, at the end of each nine weeks, I like to talk about our celebrations that we have. So this last winter, we have our PJ and uh, hot chocolate and movie day, and we had parent volunteers to come in and help with that. And um, it's just a way to celebrate with our students hard work and to involve our families. And something else that the kids really enjoyed that we brought back this year was the book fair. And we had parents to come in and set that up for us before and then uh, run it for us. So that was uh, a lot of excitement for our students and building the relationship in the community back. You know, whenever you look at our, our lower school kids, you know, things like book fair and things like those PJ celebrations, they, they look forward to it. You know, they're, they're talking about what their book they're wanting or, or what, you know, pajamas they're going to wear on that day. They, they're always asking, are we going to have it? Are we going to, what movie are we going to watch? Yes. So you know it really matters. It's really a big deal for them. Um, not to say celebrations aren't important at the high school level or middle school level. The upper school would be sixth grade through 12th grade. 
But um, Brad, I'm gonna give you a chance, kind of that same idea, what are some things that we do to build relationships with either you with your teachers, you with the community, mm -hmm. or even things that you're doing to help build those relationships with students mm -hmm. um, in our community as well? I love what you were saying, Mary, about an open door policy, and I think that's one of the things that, <clears throat> having been an educator for many years in lots of different systems, sometimes the classroom kind of feels like a kingdom unto its own. So one of the things we really work at in relationships is to break down some of those walls. And so I really love the coaching model that we use. Um, a lot of supervision models or evaluation models are very top down. It's this idea that me as the supervisor, I'm coming into your room and I'm gonna tell you what to do. Or the, the models are so complex that the teacher can't really even it's almost like a dog and pony show to try to hit all of the, the features of that supervision model. So I think the coaching model that we use, when I go into a classroom, I'm learning. We're learning together. Mm -hmm. I'm learning from the teachers, the amazing work that they're doing. And you know, yeah, we might have some input as, as principals into what they're doing, but I think the, the real relationship value there is that I'm with them in this journey. And we're, we're trying to relate to students the same way. So. In the classroom, I know I speak a lot about, with my teachers, this idea of balancing the power structure in the classroom so that students don't feel threatened by this teacher that's the ultimate authority, but that students have a say and they have a buy-in. and We call that choice in our model, but that relationship building, to me, starts with our students and it, it, it extends to our teachers and then as administrators, it's all coaching. And you know, we can all point to a coach in our life somewhere that on, you know, coaches have this amazing ability to, they don't always tell you what you want to hear, but they make you better as athletes. And so I don't always have comfortable conversations. Sometimes we have to really um, have focused, you know, difficult, sometimes there's conflict, but it's always from, the, from this idea of I'm here to help you and we're together in this. So I think that relationship is really cool. I love that with my teachers. I love that they are extending that to our students. Um, I think community-wise, I know we have um, we have a mentoring program on campus. The lower school uses Bobcat Buddies. At the upper school, we call it Trail Mix. It's a way for older students to be pouring into younger students. You know, we don't always get that right. Sometimes it's difficult to put students in a in a room and have them relate on a really passionate, you know, kind of mentoring role. But we're committed to that, and I think. We've made some changes at the upper school, and we, we did a kind of a focus group the other day, and our students said, you know, one of the things we really miss is that one-on-one -on -one connection to a younger student. So the students see value in that too. So I think that trail mix and bobcat buddy time within our school um, speaks a lot about that relationship piece as well. You mentioned something that has come up with conversations with the other teachers, and, and you both have heard some of those conversations, but not all of them at this point. But the thing that came up out of upper school teachers as well as lower school teachers is teaching our kids in our classroom that they have value. Mm. And that's the, part of that relationship piece. I thought it was fun to hear even our preschool teacher, she was talking about welcoming kids at the door and asking them how their day was to show them that their voice mm. matters mm -hmm. and we want to hear their day. We want to hear how their weekend was or whatever. And it's funny as you listen to every grade level talk, 
that was the consistency mm-hmm. all the way up through high school. And, and I think when people think about relationships, that's not necessarily what they're thinking about. You know, they're thinking of, does my kid get along with another kid? Does my kid have friends? Um, and we know that relationships at the lower school level, that relationship between the student and the teacher is very important. We know that as they move to middle school, that relationship from student to student gets more important. And then I think we do a really good job of, as they enter high school, of of teaching them that relationship of student to greater community, um, looking at stuff like our LEAP program and our senior capstan, where we're saying go out in the community now and and do something. Um, That brings value to someone else, but it's that importance of value. And I think that part of how we do that with our teachers is through that coaching and mentoring group. So um, if you would think about maybe ways that you've helped with curriculum or ways that you've helped with the the classroom structure as a whole, but helping that teacher realize their value in that and how we value those teachers um, as professionals in their classroom. Um, So what are some things, Mary, that you've done with lower school to help them in designing that curriculum, help them in building those relationships, inserting relationship building things into their classroom, but helping that teacher find their value, their voice Mm -hmm. in those lower school classrooms? Well, when I think about when we first started at CBA, there was only one grade level, one teacher in every grade level. And when they started, they felt like they were on an island by themselves because they didn't have a partner to share ideas with and then as we've grown now we have like two kindergarten teachers and three preschool going to have four preschool teachers and so they have now a team to build off of each other and to share ideas and um, I think our professional development that we do on Wednesdays I never experienced that I taught for 30 almost 30 years and I love the fact that we have our professional development time every Wednesday And so um, from two to four o'clock, we get together and the teachers have a time to share in strategic design teams on different curriculums. For example, yesterday in social studies, my teachers needed to work together to work on their standards and do some curriculum mapping. And we provided them time to do that. And I was a part of that meeting. I was able to listen to their concerns and they got a lot accomplished. And so our focus is about creating, reimagining education and creating curriculum that, that the kids can relate to and real world experiences. And so we give them that time on Wednesdays to develop that curriculum and I take an active role in it. I love to go in and observe in the classroom and see how they have those lessons engaging the kids. and and uh, just taking time to to see what's going on in the classroom. So I think that's one of the ways that, or some of the ways that we do that. Yeah, and you you mentioned, Brad, the, the coaching and mentoring, and we've done a lot of work on our coaching and mentoring here because like you said, we want it to be a value that the teacher grows in. Um, what are some things that you have seen through our coaching and mentoring program? Even as we've evolved, as our staff has grown, as, as Mary talked about, we, we've had to change as we go from you know, half the amount of staff or much less than half probably of what we have now. And we've we've really worked a lot on that coaching and mentoring program, mm-hmm. so much so to even say a new teacher here, you know, they're here before other teachers get here. They're setting down with you as their principals ahead of time. They're setting down with a mentor teacher mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that you've seen that evolve and, and how do you feel like that has benefited the the teacher's ability then to do their job, to build relationships with others and also building relationships in their classroom? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the areas I've seen real growth in is in our new teacher academy. 
you know, we, we, because we have high expectations and because our model requires the teachers to do a lot, they design their own curriculum, they become specialists in mastery-based learning and standards-based grading, and we use restorative practices. The model, the HET model itself, the brain-based model, requires a lot of rethinking and reimagining how the classroom works. So what I've seen is really twofold in that, allowing our veteran teachers to have a voice and to really flush out their expertise gives them such a role to play for our new teachers. And those new teachers, what we used to do and what we found, uh, what we were trying to accomplish in professional development in like larger group settings is much more translatable in a one-on-one -on -one circumstance. So whether that's the nitty gritty of how to use our student management system or how to really get to what does our mastery-based learning model, how do I assess this piece of writing? When, when we started that new teacher academy and then connected them with a the mentor through the whole year and gave those mentors uh, you know, talking points, we started to develop these new teachers in ways that empowered them in the classroom in a much different way than, than in the beginning when we were all kind of fresh and new and all kind of learning at the same time. So I think that's one of the ways that's a little different than what we do with our coaching and mentoring, but every new teacher gets also on a coaching mentoring group. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen is that they, they are now starting to really rely on each other to flush out their own curriculum, to flush out best practices in the classroom. Um, they, might, they might do some professional reading together. Uh, they have autonomy to figure out what they need, but those mentoring groups, um, they continue to grow I think connecting those to SMART goals, I think that's been a great way for teachers to have tangible uh, goals that they're working on and then a group of professional colleagues to bounce off ideas and to bounce off failures, like what's working, what's not working. In, in, in education, that silo that happens, I'm in my classroom, I'm teaching my kids, we, I think we've worked really hard to break that down because it does become an island. And I think another thing we've done from the beginning is collaborative planning. I know that from the very beginning, we have said, if we're gonna ask our teachers to do all these things, we've got to give them time to plan together. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's at the lower school, the middle school, the upper school, uh, all of our teachers have time to collaborate with their colleagues on unique and specific curricular items. Um, without that, all we're doing is asking them to squeeze that into their you know, family lives and into their other time, so. Yeah, you know, I. I think a, an important part of how we also build relationships, and, and a couple of teachers have mentioned this, um, and Brad, I'm going to let you go first on this one because I know you did a lot of work on this ahead of time, um, early on, I guess, as a, as a school community, but we've implemented a different structure when it comes to discipline here, um, mm -hmm. using restorative practice. And I know you guys as principals, you kind of, sometimes you're called in whenever it's the behavior problem or the people aren't getting along mm -hmm. problem or whatever in the classroom. and and possibly even for people listening, what they remember is you didn't want to be called into the principal's office. Uh, you know, that was, that's when you got suspended or that's when, and, and that's not how we view uh, those kind of situations here. And, and I know that we actually get a lot of questions about restorative practice and everybody seems to like restorative practice until your kid maybe is involved in a restorative mm -hmm. situation and then maybe you like it or maybe you don't. But um, give us a little bit, mm -hmm. I mean, we could spend a long time talking about restorative practice mm -hmm. as, as just the program, uh, but give us a little bit of that, Brad, because you, whenever we really started bringing restorative practice on here, you were really instrumental in, in pushing that onto our mm -hmm. campus as a guidance counselor at that time. But 
seeing how it has impacted the classroom and then looking at it from that principal mm-hmm. side kind of give us some some high points or highlights or, or how does that really help to still build relationships between students and, and relationships of those students to the community? It's, that's an excellent point because I think the whole idea of restorative practice is, first of all, you, you have to be self-aware and you have to be others aware. So the entire model is really about placing behavior in the, in the context of how it affects the community. And so everything really is relational. And instead of isolating behaviors and then creating a random punishment to deal with that, what we're really looking at is how are your behaviors, both healthy and unhealthy, impacting your community? And so it gives us the chance 90% of the time, 95% of the time, really what we're doing is helping students understand how their life skills and when they use them positively is creating positive energy in our campus. And all the things that they're doing to explain you know how they've learned things and collaborate with their peers and do amazing work 90 percent of that is taking responsibility for your greatness you know um and then you know we also deal with what happens when you make a choice do something in the classroom that negatively impacts your peers or your friends or your parents or and so students are automatically within restorative practices they're asked to determine one what did you do and they can't really it's about owning that behavior mm-hmm. so if we're going to ask kids to own learning then why not ask them to own their behavior mm-hmm. and then when they own their behavior who did that impact what was the outcome of that behavior and now how can you take responsibility to make it right so the student is learning how to actively engage in relationship to make things right with a peer or to make things right with a teacher uh, parents are seeing that um, it's been curious to watch over the years as it's happened because there are times when I'll be walking through Brain Break at middle school and I'll hear kids having kind of restorative you know, conversations. They don't even know it, but they're saying things like, well, I really did do that the other day and I'm sorry about doing that. And so when they start owning the process for reconciliation and for restoration, you know, that's all relationships. Absolutely. And I think that you know, for maybe somebody listening right now, they could see a middle schooler or a high schooler having a better vocabulary and being able to answer some of that question of like, what behavior did I actually do? How did that behavior affect another student? But we use restorative practice all the way down, even into like preschool setting. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that's just through teaching them definitions and teaching them like what this feeling that I'm feeling means. Like it actually has a word and what's the right word to use here. It's not that you're mad. It may be that you're, disappointed but all I know is mad and the teachers having to work with them maybe on coming up with a better definition to use to express their feelings what are some things that you have done or maybe even that our lower school prince our lower school guidance counselor Kim Hedrick has done in this restorative model to help our students be able to own that behavior and express that behavior so that they can learn and and hopefully grow and and continue to be a valuable member of our community so I think about, well, especially Ms. Hedrick, our counselor, um, and I don't know if you're going to do a podcast with her, but that'd be great, um, with when she goes into the classroom. she's And I do this too, go into the classroom and share about our life skills. And I think even in our preschool, we're the foundation of that, teaching those life skills. And so in order to restore a behavior, you have to kind of understand what the behavior was. So we talk a lot about our 19 life skills and our five lifelong guidelines and what does it mean to be trustworthy. So when we do something we shouldn't do, 
you know, were you being trustworthy? Or if um, they did something and the lifelong guideline being truthful, they didn't always say the truth back. And so we have a chance to kind of define that, teach them that life skill, and then model it for them in the classroom. And then hopefully, as preschool, kindergarten, all the way through fifth grade, they learn then what it means to restore themselves back into their school community when they, we all mess up, none of us are perfect. Right. And so we strive to live by these lifelong guidelines and life skills as administrators, but we also want to teach them. And so I think the children moving into middle school, like you said, with the life skills, they've learned then how what it means to have a conversation and how to own their behavior it's not always easy right but um they do and so i think the key component i believe is the life skill or, or are the life skills that we teach and try to strive and live by it's amazing when you start talking to people in our community about relationships it's like everybody's following the same script but i think it's also because we spend a lot of time speaking the same language and i think that wednesday pd that you guys have mentioned goes back to that because we are always together as a community and, and as a pre-k through 12th grade school that is difficult at times to say we're all together here speaking the same language still mm -hmm. um, and there's always people that want to modify our, our model they want to change as us and and we have to remind them like this is who we are like our our relationship model mm -hmm. our brain-based research model that you mentioned earlier, Brad, on the HET stuff, it's all connected from pre-K all the way through 12th grade. It has been so great to have this conversation with both of you. This is the Ignition Point podcast for Clayton Bradley Academy, where every day we work really hard to make sure that our students learn to be problem solvers, critical thinkers, collaborators, and using those lifelong guidelines and life skills that you heard a little bit of conversation about. If you would like to know more about us, you can go to our website, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org. You could schedule a tour. You could schedule a visit. We'd love to have you out on campus. We'd love to connect more with you and build relationships with you as well. Thank you both so much for giving us a little bit of time today, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.